developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, our annual Asterix review returns, and the future holds both secrets and lies. Ooh. Plus, there's more shakeups at Disney. Cthulhu rests at Relax. And the powers of the elders empower Billy Batson once more. So sit back, relax, wait for your turkey to thaw, because the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 1003 of the Major Spoilers podcast. If you're still waiting for your turkey to thaw, you're too late. You should have thawed your turkey last week so you could spend three days brining it before you cook it. Do not do not put that thing in the deep fryer. If do your turkey's frozen, do not put it in the deep fryer. No, 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 no. And if it's still frozen, right. if it's still frozen uh, by the time you're listening to this, uh, you ain't going to make it to Thanksgiving. Grownups don't brine. Grownups just throw it in the oven. Uh, boy, uh, uh, podcast at Majorspoilers.com, everybody. Uh, put it in the <laughs> subject to, line. Matthew is so wrong again. I've been smoking my turkey for the last week You've and been a half. smoking something. Smoking, so. smoking you know, turkey. The, the hardest part about smoking turkey is keeping your papers dry, but... You go filtered or unfiltered? You do it outside? You can't do unfiltered turkey. I mean... Turkey's like a thing. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's next to the garage. It's not in the okay. house because you can't smoke in a house. Sure. We have a no-smoking house. Anyway, let's do some news. All right. Okay. Uh, let's see. In a surprise uh, move, the board of directors at Disney fired CEO Bob Chapek. Is it Chapek? Yep. Uh, and replaced him with former Disney CEO Bob Iger, who stepped down oh. in 2021. Uh, online sources state uh, Chapek was fired without cause, but a look at the third quarter earnings seems to be the cause, or implies there's a cause. Iger is now under a two-year contract with Disney, a million-dollar base salary with an annual bonus of up to $1 million, and an incentive award system in place with a target range of $25 million. Uh, for those of you paying attention, Iger is on track to earn $27 million over the next year, don't feel too outraged, though. He's actually taking a pay cut from his $46 million, uh, he earned in 2021 before, getting, before leaving. Uh, since the announcement on Sunday, Iger has already announced restructuring, a, a restructuring of Disney. Yeah, he's already let one person go. Um, so here's the thing. Uh, and it was Bob Chapek. Well, okay, so two people. So uh, uh, Iger, didn't, I, Iger didn't let Chapek go. Yeah, the board yeah. of directors let him go. But it was, uh, I think it's one of their music guys that he let go uh, Monday, I believe, is when he, yeah. was, he was let go. So here's the thing. Uh, a lot of people are like, yay, Iger is back. Boo, Bob Chakebick, because uh, he's the one that uh, 
really mishandled the Black Widow thing and blamed her for the whole thing of of asking for more money with that streaming release back in 2020. He's responsible for all the parks being shut down and the increased prices. Bob Chapik is uh, is responsible for uh, Disney not taking a stand on the don't say gay bill. Um, there was one other thing that he really stumbled upon. Oh, just recently, I think within the last couple of months, he went out and said that adults don't watch animated movies. And so mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, ah, boo, this guy, Bob Chapek's been there since 1974. Um, yeah. and he was the, the head of the parks systems. And yeah. so, yeah, I think he did a lot of missteps and there may be some, uh, third quarter streaming earning reports that are lower than expected. And he was starting to divert some money away from other areas, uh, to service other areas. And that's what may have caused the, uh, finance officer to step up to the board and say, Hey, you guys need to pay attention to this stuff. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, <laughs> picture, if you will, it's 2020. Uh huh. And you are sitting there as the CEO of uh, Disney and you mm-hmm. see a pandemic is about to approach and shut everything down. Well, this seems like a good time for me to exit and throw somebody else under the bus of all things that are going to be bad. That happens to our organization during COVID and then come back in uh, as soon as basically COVID's not over, but the big hump of COVID and everything as it affects the Disney enterprises is over and says, yes, I will return for $27 million a year. Seems very cold indeed. Uh, I I'm, I'm not sure that, uh, that everyone should hail Bob Iger's return as this great thing because he was, he was first off the ship when he saw the COVID thing uh, about to uh, really damage Disney, Disney income. Uh, during that time. So that's my if, opinion on it. Yeah. If you haven't, I strongly recommend if you like such things to watch defunct lands, oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. fast pass mm-hmm. documentary, yes. the yes. documentary on fast pass. That's all cheap. If you want, if you want to, yes, if you want to see the, um, Eisner, Chapek, Iger show, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's going to be, you're, you're going to find it there. And what's fascinating about this is they build a fast pass system mm-hmm. and tell you how fast pass works without telling you that they're talking about Disney the entire time. And the thing yeah. is that this documentary, it's, it, you know, by a guy, just a guy, uh, is like over an hour long yeah, talking it, about statistics yeah. and, and building models for getting people onto and off of rides. And yeah, it's and the funk line has really uh it's Kevin Perger has really increased his his operation. I think he's had a couple of successful Kickstarters, uh plus a um a Patreon. Um I I started because you know I got called away for, for another reason, his uh documentary, which is just it seems to be at least an hour of thir- and thirty minutes of where the Disney Channel theme comes from, like mm-hmm. that, like dun, 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 dun. and he goes into a whole investigation of it. I haven't had a chance to sit down to watch it, but I'm weirdly very excited about it because the Fast Pass documentary was like so eye opening. Yeah, if you haven't watched, if if that's the only Defunct Land doc you've watched, Rodrigo, you should go back and watch all the rest. Uh, because... No, I've I've seen I've seen a lot of the. Oh, other okay, ones. yeah, because yeah. it's it's really good stuff. And yes, if you kind of want to know where all this mess happened that gives you a lot of clues but you know I, prior to oh, prior to uh shutdown uh Chapik was hailed as this great uh purveyor of all things theme park and yeah. was really just you know highly praised for everything he does 
And then, man, soon as COVID steps in, people just start pooping all over him left and right. Now, granted, he did some things and didn't do some things and said some things publicly that he probably shouldn't have. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see what else we got. Oh, uh, things are getting cl- colder and you can wear your love for all things Star Wars on your sleeve and your back and your head as clothing <laughs> company Columbia is set to release a series of parka jackets, pullovers and hats based on the Star Wars universe. For example, the Republic parka is inspired by the adventures of Obi-Wan and Anakin Skywalker on the ice planet of Ortu Pl- Plutonia. Uh, it features a Clone Wars themes colors and insignia on the breast, which looks pretty cool. There's also an I'm really jealous about this because I think women have much better clothing than men. There's an Ahsoka Tano uh, jacket that includes uh, the points on the hood that simulates uh, uh, Ahsoka's uh, Montrails or Montrals. Uh, and it looks really cool. It's got her themed colors and it's cut in the way that her uh, Jedi robe uh, works. It looks really neat. Uh, however, these are limited edition items. They go on sale December 12th, 2022. And will probably sell out fast and probably cost you an arm and a leg. Or at least an arm if you go to the cantina. So, there you go. Well, it ain't Star Wars till somebody loses an arm. Yep. And speaking of what it is and what it ain't, if you read DC Comics solicitations for February of 2023 at our major spoilers website, you should go there. It's pretty awesome. You may have casually scrolled by the listing for Shazam! Fury of the Gods special shazamily matters <clears throat> number one <laughs> uh without seeing that zachary levi uh grace carolyn curry ross butler dj katrona adam brody and faith herman are actually creators they're all co-writing tales for the comic and you know there's that whole thing where the comic book arrives in february and their new movie shazam fury of the gods arrives on march 17th so it's maybe the closest thing to synergy that we're going to see between comic book publishers and movie studios in the year 2023. Yeah. It is. Timing. It is, it is a ama- Well, is it? Because uh, this is something that obviously wasn't planned. I mean, the book timing. was planned, but uh, the fact that the Shazam movie got pushed off because of God, it, you know, it, the only thing that would make me happier about uh, to tie into that Bob Iger story is for <laughs> Zaslav to be, uh, you know, kicked out of, of discovery, uh, warner brothers uh just because he's done so many dumb things like move the shazam movie back uh to uh to march instead of releasing it this month last month so could have been worse he could have moved it to the parking lot like he did with batgirl well uh, i mean he could have but uh, that one was more done than batgirl was at the time so uh yeah i kind of like this Uh, i kind of like uh it when we can get comic books and movies releasing at around the same time so that you can tie into that. Granted, people don't go into comic shops anymore, but uh, if you go into a bookstore or something and this is in the shelf, um, maybe some people will pick this up. But uh, I kind of like it. It takes me back to, to the to the good old days uh, when you would get your Batman uh, movie tie-in special six months after the movie was in theater. So <laughs> I would always get mine before where you'd like read it and it would totally spoil it. Oh, I would movie. get the, uh, the uh, novelizations of the yeah. movies before I saw the movies. Yeah. Yep, that's how I know who Boba Fett is. is Boba Fett. in the novelization. Boba Fett, where? Uh, listeners, you can join the conversation about these stories and more over in our Discord. You can join the Major Spoilers Discord server for free. And we would love to see you join our growing community of awesome spoilerites. There's a link in the show notes. And cat gifts waiting upon your arrival. Now, <laughs> I can... I'm tuning into my higher level being. <laughs> I'm looking... Into the future. Oh, God. 
Uh, <laughs> I, I see it. I sense it. Ah, it's time for the reviews. Yes. And it's coming clear to me. It's coming clear to me. Oh, a new comic book coming out this week. IDW something Joe 300 final. Matthew, are you going to be reviewing G.I. Joe, a real American hero number 300 this week? So, you know, I know this is totally thematic, but I'm already tired of it. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> Once again, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be here for the entire show. So this week, IDW Publishing, not just G.I. Joe, a real American hero number 300, the big landmark issue, a big finale to the Larry Hama arc, a big finale to the IDW Publishing reign era, whatever you want to call it of G.I. Joe, colon, a real American hero. Uh, if you've been paying attention, and I don't know why you would, back in 1982, Larry Hama launched a book at Marvel called G.I. Joe, ran for 155 issues. Uh, what, maybe 15 years ago, IDW decided they had the property and they were going to continue that book from issue 156. And so since that time, Hama, uh, with currently artist S.L. Gallant, has been doing continued stories of the G.I. Joe team. And more importantly, unlike the original Marvel run, Hasbro isn't necessarily down his neck to make sure that he's selling the newest toys. And so he's done some really crazy, crazy stuff, just absolutely over the top. This is part five of a five-issue arc. This is literally the end. Dot, dot, dot. Or is it question mark? Well, that's the thing that I have questions about is who's going to get the property Next, is it going to be Marvel? I don't know. I really thought that Marvel was going to um, yeah. to keep the Conan property, but it mm. it lapsed, and I thought it was going to go maybe to Dynamite, but Titan Comics picked up Conan uh, for mm, February I, of 2023. So I'll be very interested to see who gets the I, G.I. Joe property after, after IDW. I have heard rumors, and by which, you know, that means I read somebody who heard rumors about Skybound Publishing and Bob Kirkman. Oh, yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah, and also in the back of matter of this issue, uh, Larry Hama actually addresses this and says, this is, you know, this is thing. Um, I'm not saying that I'm involved in a next phase of G.I. Joe, but I'm also not not seeing it. So if you've been paying attention to the IDW run of G.I. Joe, Cobra has opened a casino and resort on Cobra Island. And no, it's not called Kui Kui Kui. But G.I. Joe has finally, finally been able to attack Cobra Island, where they find that not only has the evil Dr. Mindbunder cloned and resurrected Serpentor, the emperor of Cobra, he has cloned and resurrected the late Snake Eyes. I don't know if you guys knew Snake Eyes died. Snake Eyes died, and there's been like three Snake Eyes as is running around. So now there's four Snake Eyes as is running around. But in this issue, G.I. Joe makes their attack. Most of it really is just another cool Hama issue. We get some great stuff with Wild Bill and Duke trying to land a plane. We get some really, really cool bits of flashback to the earliest issues of Marvel G.I. Joe, where Storm Shadow... And uh, a guy named Wade and a guy named Fred and a couple of other guys and Stalker used to be in Vietnam together. Now, of course, that was 1982. I believe now they were in Desert Storm together or, you know, an unexplained conflict. But 
they do have a lot of these moments pop up. We have robots and we have snake eyes and we have a ninja and we have a moment that's beautiful where Serpentor is like, look, look, snake eyes is completely and utterly devoted to the cause of Cobra. And then he looks and sees where the G.I. Joe team had attacked and he sees a weapon left behind by Scarlet, the woman that he loves. And he draws his swords. Now, I will tell you, there are two things about this. I'm going to say good, maybe even really good issue that really horked my cheese. Uh, the first, and I think probably the most important, is that this is a $7 comic. And a $7 comic should, to me, have like twice as much material in it. This is $7 for 48 pages. So it's basically a little over double sized. And more importantly, a lot of the actual issue is kind of back matter stuff. There is a long, entertaining, but long gag about uh, the more you know. There's literally a five-page strip in the back about how to help someone who has cut themselves stop bleeding. More importantly, it actually literally has information uh, on how to stop someone bleeding from the Committee on Trauma that is official, actual PSA material, which just cracks me up. And, of course, we are coming up on the 40th anniversary of G.I. Joe. So there's some stuff coming down the pike. But also, the way this is solicited as the end and part five and offering closure is maybe not so much what you get in the book. Um, I don't want to spoil that for anybody because I feel like even with frustrations regarding that, I feel like this is a solid enough read that it's, especially if you love GI Joe, if you're, you know, somebody who's been reading GI Joe since you were 12, like I am um, definitely, this is a book you'll want to check out. I do feel like it is a little bit pricey. And I also kind of feel like maybe the package that we get isn't exactly the package that the solicitation seemed to promise. Again, those are both issues that are kind of out of the control of the story. The story itself is quite good. Gallant's art is quite good. I'm going to go with three slices of meatloaf for G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Well above average. Definitely a book you want to look into, especially if you ever wanted to see Short Fuse nearly cut off his finger peeling potatoes. Uh, what I'm really surprised is that we don't know who, who has landed this next. Now, maybe there was some agreement that, mm -hmm. uh, no one would announce until after issue 300 has come out, Could but be. the solicitations for January and February from Marvel DC, um, most of them, I think, including image, uh, have already been released. So if this is going to one of the bigger publishers, even Dark Horse, because we put up all the February stuff uh, last Friday and on Monday of this week. There's right. no indication of any G.I. Joe stuff there, which either means that they are at a smaller publisher like mm -hmm. a, a Mad Cave Studios or uh, an Oni Press. Um, mm -hmm. Or we're not going to see any G.I. Joe comics until at least March or April of next year, which means that. That that's the thing that is really the weird, because if you would think that if you had acquired that a license and you knew that 300 was dropping in November, right. you would want to announce 
either right on the same day or the day after that the comic book comes out mm-hmm. um, or the next week because this is a holiday weekend. Um, right. And that you would want to have those solicitations, you know, the new issues dropping in January. So people only have like one month of no G.I. Joe stuff. Because I right. think if you wait until March or April, maybe that's going to build up some momentum. But I also mm-hmm. think that there may be a lot of people that are just like, no, G.I. Joe's over and not pay attention to where the next stuff is coming. So that's Can really I weird. put on my, my Steven hat for a second, my tinfoil hat? I don't wear tinfoil hats. You do too. Nope, never. Here's the thing. Never. He lets the, the vibrations just pass through him. Yeah. <laughs> that is how he can tell what the future I, is. I would yeah. like to take on the Steven Futurist role for just a second. And I want to do it in such a way that it's still Matthew. So I'm going to ask you an important question. Do you guys remember when Skybound and Bob Kirkman suddenly ended The Walking Dead after having already solicited issues that came out after the last issue? Oh. Do you like, guys remember when the surprise they won- people? Yeah, yeah. Kirkman yeah, has yeah. done that before. Kirkman loves to do that. I want to say one of his series was a surprise launch, and it may have been. I can't uh, remember. It was, now, uh, like, he did a he did a couple of them. So um, the, just boom, here's his book. Yeah, so he did that with the uh, the dragon one. Um, <laughs> Samney and uh, Kirkman do the the firepower, firepower. Fire yeah, that was one that did that. And then the last episode of Walking Dead, or the last issue of Walking Dead was done that way. And yeah, I mean, so he he does that. That's not a that's not a huge surprise. But so that what if you're Bob Kirkman, you have all the money in the world mm-hmm. from the Walking Dead and you are just going to surprise launch G.I. Joe in January of 2023 and you're going to send every every single store returnable copies equal to the amount of their biggest. I would, if I were going to, if I were going to do it, I would make it at a December instead of January release. I'm just saying, and you just send them. You I can see like, that. I mean, that's a, that is a, and they're returnable and everybody no, says, that is a, that is a, very, that is a very legitimate uh, possibility, Matthew. Congratulations on, on it's channeling like fu- uh, Steven's future. Yeah. Yeah. In the year 3000. No, no, no. It would ha- If you have to wait until the year 3000, nobody's going to be reading G.I. Joe. Anyway. Oh, no, no, no. Anyway. They'll be reading. It will be space G.I. Joe. It will be teenage, mutant, teenage anyway. mutant zombie cyborg snake. Out guys. this week from Ablaze Publishing is Lovecraft, Unknown Kadath number three. This is the continuing adaptation of the Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath by H.P. Lovecraft. This is uh, adapted by Florentino Flores. With art by Guillermo Sana or Sena, um, I I had I reviewed the first episode, uh, issue of this on the Major Spoilers podcast a couple of months ago, and I was very troubled by it. And so I jumped back into this just to see where the adventures are. And on the positive, they started this issue the same way that they did the first issue in doing a um, Little Nemo in Dreamland kind of reference. And I kind of wish they would have done that for the entire series. Just had this all in that Little Nemo style, uh, kind of done it in the same kind of uh, way that they're telling the the intro to the tale in that in that little sequence. Problem with Unknown Kadath or Dream Quest for me has always been that it's just a series of vignettes as um, as uh, Randolph Carter journeys from one place to another. And this issue just continues that. Well, now we're going to go to the to the plateaus of Ling. Now we're going to go to this. Now we need to climb up on this mountain. 
And stay away from there because that's where the night gaunts are. Stay away from there because that's where the ghouls are. Don't do that because this is and this issue just kind of continues that into just these series of vignettes without a real without a real motivation for Carter as to why he needs to get to where he needs to go. And I think that that is the thing that is the most frustrating. The other thing that is super frustrating about this tale as it's being adapted is there's a lot of dialogue that is describing what we're seeing. Oh no, cat, we are falling. Cat, are you falling with me? Yes, I am also falling kind of dialogue into this. And it's super annoying because it's super basic and it is a, you don't need to tell, you need to show. And I can see that you're falling off the mountain or I can see that the night gaunts have picked you up. You don't need to say, oh, I have been grabbed by the night gods. We don't, we don't need that in this piece. So while it is a interesting adaptation of the source material and the art is fantastic, the, the art is really good. I think that this book really suffers from, from the writing in the adaptations. Uh, Lovecraft's purple prose uh, comes across a lot more clear and vivid in the, um, in the source material that you can find in the back of the comic. Um, but I'm still very frustrated with this book and I don't know how to proceed with it. Um, the one thing that is a positive in this is a lot of the racial issues that I pointed out in the first issue are not here in this one, mainly because they're dealing with cats and ghouls and night gaunts, uh, and, uh, and Pikmin as a ghoul, um, that don't have to get into any of that stuff. Uh, I don't know. This is, it's okay. I'm going to, I'm because of the art, I'm going to give it three slices of meatloaf out of five. Uh, I just don't, I just am not excited about this book. And there's a lot of things that go on with uh, Randolph Carter. And, you know, he's, I would say he's one of the main characters that we find in Lovecraft stories because he appears in so many different stories. Um, Which one? Randolph Carter does. Oh, okay. Uh, so he's in, un- he's in the dream quest of unknown Kadath. He and um, uh, what's his name for the uh, reanimator. He's in that as well. He knows uh, Pikmin from Pikmin's model. Uh, so he's, he pops up uh, quite a bit in some of the Lovecraft stories. Uh, I, just, I just don't like this story, I think. And I don't like it in the prose version either, really. Uh, so maybe that's uh, me being put off by, by this whole thing. I'm probably not going to come back to this. If I do, it'll be, it'll be just because of this morbid curiosity to see how they end it. But this is really kind of un- sadly it's unremarkable in its final final format and delivery uh if you are a true diehard unknown kadath dream quest of unknown kadath fan you probably want to read this just to see the adaptation but i much rather like ablaze publishing's uh, adaptations of conan and um uh what's the other one that they've done just recently i can't think of it off the top of my mind uh, but, you know, I like some of their other adaptations, but this one just doesn't sit well with me. So three slices of meatloaf. Uh, if you want to go check it out, do so. It's not you're not going to be paying the seven bucks like you will with the G.I. Joe. Uh, but then again, uh, Unknown Kadath does not have uh, 300 characters on the cover. Uh, so there you go on that. Rodrigo, you're going to wrap us up this week by looking far into the future of December of 2022. December. It'll what you got for probably us? somehow be colder than it already is. Gosh, I hope not. All right, what I have is Mave, I think Rising Warrior number one. Uh, so uh, writer is Kevin uh, Corcoran and Cristiano Sakes, and art is Kayo Ma- 
either Majado or Majado. I'm not sure. Probably Majado. Um, this is a retelling of the story of Maeve, who is a uh, Irish folk hero, a queen and a powerful warrior and a super cool character uh, who one of her things is like being very promiscuous. Uh, so I'm interested to see if they're going to include that here. It kind of doesn't look like that at this stage. Because um, this is like a very like Batman Begins kind of situation where this is like very early in her life. Um, I personally don't know that much about Maeve because she's like, you know, she's an Ulster Cycle character. And I'm just way more into like Mythic Cycle characters. But what are you going to do? Um, she, but so, okay, so this story has Maeve as a very young person going on kind of her first hunt as part of the traditions of her people. Um, it's a little confusing because uh, if you see the cover, that's what Maeve looks like in the book. She's um, blonde, is wearing a big uh, fur cloak. Uh, and has armor that like glistens and and shines. It looks golden or maybe bronzy. Um, at, she's once you get into the book, she's like a full head taller than the next tallest like kid that she's with. Um, and none of the like, none of the other kids except for maybe one is dressed as like armored up and lavishly as she is. And so I kept. Like going back and looking at it, I'm like, is is she supposed to be older and she's watching over the kids as they do with their first hunt? And it's like, no, this is her being a kid going on her first hunt. She's just really tall and already has super cool armor, which I'm like, maybe don't give her the super cool armor yet. I don't know. Maybe it's important. I like I said, not super familiar with the character from folklore. Um, so uh, some stuff goes wrong. And we see, uh, but we do see her uh, show her legendary prowess. Um, the art is very cool. I like it a lot. Um, it is, I would say it's very, um, uh, what do I want to say? Like, it's very, uh, like, now art. There's nothing about it that is, like, fuzzy or dreamlike or that implies a sort of mythological aspect to it. It's very much like straightforward comic book art uh, that looks good and is clear. You know, so that's good. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, and uh, you know, it's got good action and everything. Um, all together, so I, I should say this comic is 595, but it's also 40 pages, which I think is like or how much was like the usual amount of pages? Like three ninety nine for twenty four pages. Three ninety nine for twenty four pages. So you're paying a lot more. You're getting more pages. I I did notice that this is almost as long as the asterisk uh, asterisk trade that we reviewed. Um. So uh yeah that's a that's that's your calculus to make right five ninety five for a forty page book. That's that's up to you to decide if that's worthwhile. Uh, for me, it is a little bit, it, it would uh, make me step back, but I do like mythology, so I might, I, I might pick it up um, for myself. Uh, altogether, I'll give it three and a half slices of meatloaf. Art is good. Story is good. It's interesting. It's, I think it's hard to do this sort of book 
um, and to make it interesting if you're not already familiar with the mythology. And I don't know that people who aren't of Irish descent are particular. I mean, it, it does get a big push in that the the Maeve from the boys is mm-hmm. that's that's the character that she's you know emulating or right. whatever. That's where the name comes from. Um, so, but if, but also if you're coming from the boys to this, you're not, that's not what, that's not what this is. This is not anything like the boys, the comic or the show. Right. So, you know, maybe a bit of a gambit, but we'll see. But yeah. And gambit's a total other comic. Yeah, completely. If you're coming to this from gambit and the externals, (laughs) did you get lost in a time warp? What are you doing? Uh, game is back. I think he just wrapped up a five issue mini over at Marvel, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, well, good for him. Yeah, yeah he's still got plastic kneecaps, though. So. Yeah, and I no, think no, he's good, still married good. to uh, to Rogue. Oh, uh, yeah. Look at those two. Ah, uh, uh, thank you, everybody, uh, for all your uh, cool things that you do to be a part of the Major Spoilers community. This week, uh, we want to give a shout out to the newest member of our Patreon club. It's Randall Watts. Now, not only did Randall Watts become a new Patreon Club member, he also became our newest yearly patron. And you're sitting there going, well, what does that mean? Well, basically, it means Randall got quite the deal because we uh, basically you pay for uh, 10 or 11 months and you get a f- month free just by signing up for the yearly uh, membership. So you're saving some money. You're getting a year's worth of bonus content like the pre-show where we talked about a bunch of movies that we uh, that we watched over the last couple of weeks. So you can go in and get that. You can get access to Critical Hit a week early, original art, and a whole lot more. And best of all, we are waiting to give you a shout-out on the show, just like we did to Randall Watts. Uh, All you need to do is join us over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. That site again, patreon.com slash major spoilers. All right. I'm something is. hmm. Uh, What am I? It's like a cloudy something is. Oh, it's becoming clearer to me now. Ah, yes, wow. yes. Uh, it is that time of, oh, yes. Asterix, uh, Obelix, Get a Fix, uh, Geriatrics, uh, uh, Vital Statistics. Yeah, oh, Dogmatics. Yes, uh, yes, Dogmatics. Yes, there are, it's also clear it is time to once again talk about Asterix and Obelix. It's our yearly uh, look into the adventures of the Gauls. And this year, they're going up against... A soothsayer, soothsayer, fortune teller. Ah, yes. Ah, Asterix and the Soothsayer is the book that we are looking at this year. This is the only the 19th uh, volume of the Asterix and Obelix uh, series. I thought we were much further along because uh, I thought it was like, oh, we've got like six or more years of this and we're done. No, this goes on to like 50 volumes. So we're around for quite a while with uh, with these two. So much, so much Uderzo left. Uh, so well. Hmm. Is he the one? Hmm. hmm. I gotta go and yes, look and see. A, there's a lot of Uderzo left. There's about six years of Goshini left. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. Oh, uh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh okay. So in this one, uh it is a, a vast and mighty storm, and everyone in the village is very worried that the gods are angry, especially Thor. And then out of the out of the thunderstorm comes a soothsayer. Who is there and saying, ah, I knew I would stumble upon this village and I knew that you find people would give me food and shelter in this storm. And they're like, oh, uh, is the storm going to last? And he's like, oh, let me see. Ah, yes, the storm is going to clear. And of course, then the storm does clear and everyone thinks he's great, except for Asterix. And uh, 
the soothsayer wanders out and uh, basically does that whole shtick uh, for the rest mm-hmm. of the issue as everybody in the village falls under this, this idea of people who can tell, tell the future and tell your, your fortune. And he's making grand predictions. And in some cases he's not making, you know, stuff that is, is pretty obvious in, in many cases, like the rain's going to stop or that this centurion is going to be promoted at some point. Um, you know, so those kinds of things are going on. And of course, then the Romans do get involved because they're supposed to kill any soothsayer, but this one seems to be a real soothsayer and not a fake soothsayer. And, uh, hilarity ensues throughout this piece or something. I, yeah. So here's the thing in our previous last couple of years that we have been doing this, it has always been asterisks in Spain, asterisks in mm-hmm. Italy, asterisks in, you know, wherever London, Londinium. Right, yeah. And it's just been kind of a, Oh, let's go to these different countries and make uh, jokes about the culture or make jokes about the thing. And really just kind of string along these little gimmicky bits, uh, into this whole cultural travel, uh, travel log of the world. Right. But this one feels like we're actually getting a story story. Yeah. And I rather like that. I don't know what you guys thought, but I rather liked it. I I do like the fact that we stayed at home in the Gauls village or around, I guess. I mean, they do move yeah. as why not. But yeah, I feel like this is another one um in in the parlance of the 80s. This feels like the bottle episode. <laughs> that we've gotten to the end of the season and now we have to kind of, you know, fill out with something and awesome because a lot of times those bottle episodes end up being creatively different and weird. And especially after last year with uh, the Caesar storyline, what was that? The Laurel wreath. Mm -hmm. I feel like this feels more like a story about Asterix Whereas the other one is a story featuring Asterix, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, no, no, is, you're, you're right. Yeah. yeah. This this run, and the thing that really gets to me is I had not even put some of these things together because, again, we've been reading this once a year for like 10 years. And so, you know, the relationship of vital statistics and his wife uh, in the early half of this book is like front and center to the point where we actually have Obelix giggling about her silly nickname for him. And I feel like it's really nice to see that, that look into their life and to, to see what these people are like when there isn't, you know, something going on or when their warrior leader, tiny guy has to go off to like East hell, you know, it's really nice to have that, that back at home storyline, even though Caesar's in this again. Uh, Caesar, Caesar's not in this one, is he? No, he's, he's only in there for a cameo. Uh, it's his uh it's one of his like enforcers. Oh no, there is it? a there's a brief uh, yeah, parentheses. There's, a... there's a parentheses moment where they're talking oh, about yes. sooth, uh, soothsayers, and there's a soothsayer that says, uh, Brutus, as long as you and Caesar are stay close to one another, nothing shall bad shall ever happen. Yeah. There's <laughs> there's that one panel reference in there. But yeah, it's yeah. there's a centurion who uh sends word back to Rome that uh when the Gauls so they convince the soothsayer to go into the village and tell the to the Gauls that there's bad air there and they need to evacuate. Uh, yeah. And once they evacuate, the Romans come in and take over the village. And so then the centurion uh, messages back to Rome saying, hey, uh, we finally conquered all of of the area. Uh, celebrate us. And in the meantime, uh, get a fix uh, shows up and uh, 
chases the Romans back out and there's a big fight. Everybody gets to fight and everybody sees that the soothsayer is full of baloney um, and blood and guts and other things. Uh, right. And then by the time the, uh, the guy from Rome shows up and he's like, wait, I thought you said you occupied everything. This is, this is not it. He gets demoted and you know, that kind of stuff. But yeah, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I just like the fact that this is a, this is a story that's self-contained where it's at. And the, the art is good as it always is. Uh, I like that the location isn't, isn't playing the big part. And I like maybe a little, little bit of the meta commentary. Well, not meta commentary, but just the commentary on people who are uh, willing to believe, you know, tarot or uh, uh, fortune tellers, that kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I think is, is really kind of cool to kind of address that in, in this sense and see how easy it is for someone to sit there and predict what's going to happen and convince uh, others to, to do his bidding. A little cold reading. Yeah, cold reading works all the time, Matthew. I knew you were going to say mm-hmm. Rodrigo, what did you think about this? Uh, <laughs> what did you think about this? I thought, well, first off, I, I think it's amazing how you just know what Matthew's going to say. But I know, also, right? yeah. um, I thought, thought that, that it was, was good. good. Yeah, good. <laughs> See, yeah, I knew you were going to say you thought it was good. No, I actually, I did enjoy it a lot because, uh, precisely because of that, because it's a little story about, uh, it's like a little comedy of errors, right? Mm-hmm. You have the Gauls, the soothsayer, and the Romans, and the, the soothsayer keeps going back and forth and just kind of getting himself into more and more trouble with the Romans as he goes. And no matter what he does, um, because... Uh, you know, if he proves himself to be bad at it, uh, there are repercussions. Um, if he proves himself to be good at it, there are repercussions. And all the while, you know, Asterix is sort of, and, and Obelix and, and Getafix are sort of their own sub, uh, like, faction in this comedy that are trying to, like, execute their own motivation for doing things and in the process causing a lot of uh, of mayhem. Um, but yeah, it's it feels like a smaller story, right? It's like Asterix isn't going up against, like, a famous head of state. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just he's kind of trying, trying to, to protect his... Cleopatra. Right? He's just trying to protect his village and uh, trying to let everybody know that soothsayers are not to be trusted. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody is so scared that even though I feel like a lot of them like pretty much come out and say like, Oh, I don't believe in this stuff. But the moment that the soothsayers like around, they can't help themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, what if it's Mm -hmm, true? What if I could actually have information about the future? Um, And it's, you know, it's all very believable because this sort of thing still happens today. Yeah. 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 Uh, The art is always, is always good. Um, It goes from the cartoonish, well, it's always cartoonish in people's yeah. exaggerations, but there's times where it's like, uh, we've got to draw a beautiful woman. So we're going to make her extra beautiful. And then we're going to draw right. an ugly old man and we're going to make him extra, extra ugly and old. Ugly. Yeah. Uh, content, content warning. There is a black person in this. Yes. And oh. they are, and they are not drawn in any sort of flattering or sensitive way. No, no. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that's how it is in all of the asterisks. Yeah. 
which is you know an unfortunate side effect of uh, it, it, it really is and like that's the thing is like it's like oh it's not like this character is like a terrible like their their actions or speech or whatever is not like a terrible caricature like it really isn't like this character didn't have to look like this their place in the story is actually kind of funny because there's someone who previously mm-hmm. dealt with a with a soothsayer and has been kind of screwed over by it. And it's a brick joke. It starts at the beginning you hear about them and then they show up at the end again. But unfortunately, they look terrible. Yeah, very right? like, yeah. racial yeah. stereotypes for the time yeah. period. So uh, the other thing that. Well, and I, I guess I didn't notice it as much as I have in other bits. This was serialized in uh several issues of uh, i think it was a weekly um mm-hmm. uh, magazine and this you know in in other times when we've done like 2000 ad or something like that you can kind of feel where the the issue breaks are like when we did roy the rovers it's like oh yeah these two pages were the two pages that you got in the magazine right this one i think they did a really good job of making it flow without having the odd moments where the first panel of the next issue is kind of repeating what you just saw in the last panel. Mm-hmm. And so I like that a lot too, that it just flows very smoothly from, uh, from the serialized form into the collected form. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not, or, if, or, or what? Uh, I don't know. I didn't, it didn't feel like I noticed anything that felt serialized. So it made yeah, me I, I didn't I realize didn't. it was done like that. Yeah, and, and again, I, I, it's, I, yeah. we'll we'll see that one when, when we do Tintin in in twenty twenty three, because uh-huh. this is the exact same thing where you really feel like, oh, here's the part where the strip ended, and here's the part where it began again. Right. right. Yeah. No. To me, I, I I didn't I didn't notice that. Like, are, are there like do characters like re-explain things? I guess they do. I guess there are Maybe some every bit, once in a while. There will be like panels that are like Asterix is on his way to deal with the soothsayer, or Asterix is taking a, a trip down the forest because everybody's acting weird, right? So I'm like, I guess that might have, yeah, I guess that might have been a a cutoff point, but I didn't I didn't read it as such. And that probably we should credit the either the translators who are translating this volume into English. Yeah. Or, you know, if they're doing a, you know, a true straight adaptation, uh, credit to, uh, uh, to the original creators and, and making it, it, it flow that way. So the fact that the puns that they're making work in English makes me yeah. think that we've got a pretty, yeah, they I don't work very hard, but I, they've yeah. got a translator who's, you know, trying really hard to make these things work yeah yeah so yeah, somebody's gonna... really working hard to make this happen which is good because it's a comedy right like yeah. you have to translate comedies almost completely right because linguistic humor often doesn't translate well and yeah. that's the other thing that i kind of like i mean beyond everybody's names that have been around since you know issue one right. uh there was not a whole lot of punniness like we see in in other volumes as well right so it's like if they're trying to make fun of uh, Italians and pizza or something, you know, everybody's sure, got sure. some kind of a, a crazy Italian punny name uh, mm-hmm. attached to them. But this one doesn't really go in for the, for the groany dad jokey kind of slapsticky stuff that, that you normally see. I, this was a very, for me, this was a very different um, book to read because mm-hmm. again, uh, you go to, you, you get a travel log for four or five years in a row, you kind of expect that you're going to get another travel log and you kind of roll your eyes and groan when it's time to pick this up. And so it was nice to, to pick this uh, volume up. 
and see that it was uh, something completely different. And I liked it. So, yeah. And I, I learned a new phrase. What did you learn? Anybody who messes with me or my dog, my dog is going to get a biff up the hooter. Yeah, yeah I knew you were going to say that. Um, yeah, I'm sure you did. Here's the thing. Uh, there have been a lot of different adaptations of this book over the years. Uh, in English, you know, different people have taken a crack at the translating. Currently, mm-hmm. the company that is distributing the book in the United States is Paper Cuts, which was just recently acquired by Mad Cave Studios. So um, if you're going to get it, look for the Paper Cuts editions. I think they do a really good job. Uh, I've got a 50th anniversary uh, book and a couple of others that I've gotten from them, uh, specifically Asterix and Obelix books. They they also do the uh, Smurfs books here in the United States, and they do a really good job of their collections. The um, I've put a link in the show notes if anybody wants to pick up the Paper Cuts version of this. It's actually got two or three volumes in one collection so asterisk and the soothsayer is the first one and then uh, volumes 20 and 21 i think are the other two that come in the collection so um that may be a way to to pick up these books because this was also a very short read which i was or at least it didn't feel like as you mentioned rodrigo it didn't feel like it was a slog to get through yeah yeah so what is your final thought rodrigo uh i enjoyed it there's again they're working very hard to make the the linguistic stuff work, the jokes work, um, and yeah, this is just like a a cute little story. Uh, there's some recurring jokes which are funny, like the centurion being like, "So do I throw it? So, so I'm throwing this guy in jail?" Kind of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, every time they switch whether they believe that the soothsayer is for real or not. Um, yeah, it's a. It, 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 this is actually probably the most fun I've had with an Asterix book uh, since, uh, I don't remember when. The last couple have been a, l- a little bit more of a chore uh, to get through. But this one, very quick, very fun, very fast, good times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also enjoyed this very much. Like I said, if you're going to get it, get those Paper Cuts collections. I uh, I like those a lot. Um, some of them are hardbound collections. So, you know, they're going to sit on the shelf. They're great for kids so they don't get ripped up easily. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this story just so much. It was a, it was a, like a breath of fresh air that came out in 1972. So I say, pick it up if you, uh, want to give it a, give it a shot. Matthew, what about you? It is not often that a book as old as we are ages really, really well. This one, nah, I mean, there are three or four points where, and we have pointed them out. I think all of the ones that really got me and went, hey, 1972. But this one, I think, holds up quite well. And I think that, you know, for a 50-year-old story, it comes together. And it's a book that wasn't written in English. So I feel like if you do get a chance to pick this one up, uh, I I don't think I've ever said this before. If you are looking for the fabled jumping on point for Asterix to try and catch up Mm -hmm. with us, this might be a good one. Yeah, Yeah, I would agree with you on that. That this is a really good pickup point. Yeah. Yeah. Good book. I say get it. Yeah. All right. There you go. That wraps it up for this issue. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Hey, it is the Thanksgiving holiday week here in the United States. And uh, I want to make sure that everybody has time to relax, spend time with their family. And so we are also taking the rest of the week off. Uh, The only other show that you will be hearing from us this week is uh, Top 5. And we're doing the Top 5 Batman the Animated Series episode. So you'll want to tune in for that. Go check that out. Uh, There's uh, all the other shows are just taking a break this week. So uh, go enjoy yourself. We will be back next week with more content, more great shows for you. 
um, including next week. It looks like we're looking at my boyfriend is a bear. Our Pony <gasps> Press. Uh, so we'll be looking at that next week. Um, go check out our Patreon page if you want more discussions. You can hear us talk a little bit about some movies that we've watched. Everything from uh, comedy to horror and uh, some video game stuff as well. You can find our Patreon page at patreon.com slash major spoilers. And until next time, remember, we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. Fat Dick's revision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, they kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East With a king sign throwing soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler This podcast is copyright 2022 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.